Welcome to the show. I'm Greg McEwen, and I'm your host for the What's Essential podcast. There are lots of shows on how to improve, on how to become successful, but there is only one on what to do once you are. This is essential because success can be a catalyst for failure, especially if it leads to the undisciplined pursuit of more. This show is about how to become successful at success. It's for high performers who are on the edge of exhaustion, solving problems completely before they even arise. It's about turning tedious tasks into joyful rituals. It's about simplifying your processes and making your most essential activities the easiest ones. So if you're a driven, hardworking, productive person who is running out of space but still wants to make a higher contribution effortlessly, the What's Essential podcast is designed especially for you. So let's begin. Dr. Wells, thank you so much for joining me on the What's Essential podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Greg, it's so good to be here. Um, You know, we've been getting rid of so much stuff out of my life over the last year that it's um, it's quite wild that we're here to talk about this because that's pretty much all that I've been doing for about 14 months. So super <laughs> psyched to connect, actually. <laughs> the pandemic came and you decided you would just shred the non-essential from your life. Oh, you have no idea how much stuff we got rid of. Like, it was just amazing. Like, first of all, very, very grateful that you know, healthy, happy. So to start with, with that and the fact that I had the ability to actually have too much stuff and too many things and too busy of a life. And we took a look at everything and did a hard inventory on what's essential, what's not essential and punted everything that was non-essential. And oh my God, did it ever feel good? Like shockingly, it was amazing. One of the reasons that I invited you on the What's Essential podcast is because a few months ago, finished a a new book called Effortless. And one of the people that I had working on Team Effortless was Jonathan Cullen, uh, who works at Pfizer, one of their their top attorneys. And he was listening to a presentation that, uh, that you were in and said, oh, this is so aligned with the things we've just been researching and, uh, and that you've been writing. And there's, I think, uh, a particular thread of this new book that you, your research and your work is particularly complementary to it. There's three parts to effortless. There's effortless state, effortless action, and effortless results. Three concentric circles that build on each other. They're complementary to each other. And effortless state is really the difference between It's like two states. There's the state of suffering uh, where you're exhausted, burned out, blaming the world, frustrated, angry, fearful, that. And then there's the effortless state, which I think everybody has experienced, but perhaps only spend a few percent of their their life in, uh, where you're rested, you're mentally at peace, you're emotionally steady, and you're really at ease. And because you're at ease, you're better able to take appropriate action and not force interactions and try to force uh, your way, power through in order to get results. But you can do it in a more natural, 
rhythmic uh, way to be able to actually get the results you want, but without burning out along the way. So that's the context. But one particular element of it I want to put to you and see what your specific thoughts are is the idea of taking, of making rest a responsibility to treat it in a sense as we would our professional pursuits, our career, we're deliberate, we know that's a responsibility, provide for my family, uh, you know, look after the clients and so on, but that we should make relaxing and rest as clear a responsibility as that. Uh, that burnout is no badge of honor. And I wonder if you could speak to the research that you've done either on the problem side, the evidence that this is a problem, but also the opportunity and how we can achieve it. So those are three questions there. You can begin however you want. Wow. Um, so much there to dig into. We could spend hours just talking about you know everything you just mentioned. Uh, you've done your research, so that's cool. Let's have fun with this. Um, so let's talk about effortless first. I think that effortless is so important. Just this morning, I did a session for a client of mine on more energy, less tension, which is essentially what you're talking about. And when I was a physiologist for Olympic athletes, and I worked a lot in swimming and canoe, kayak and sports that were rhythmic in nature, walk, run, jog, swim, bike, paddle, those sorts of you know rhythmic, repetitive sports. One of the things that we often worked with our athletes on, especially as we approached competitions, was go fast, not hard. So you can imagine running hard, right? You're running, your arms are tight, your like face is gritted, and you're like, I'm just going to go as hard as I can, which is an entirely different experience from running fast, which is effortless speed. And that is exactly what I think we can all take away, whether you're running, whether you're swimming, whether you're paddling, whether you're doing a speech at work, whether you're writing an exam, the game, playing music, doing drama, it all is exactly the same. It's a universal human truth. And when we release tension, especially when we release physical tension through breathing, as I just did, you enable energy to flow a lot better through all of your nervous system, your muscles, and your performance at everything that you do increases. So all of these ideas of essentialism, of effortless performance are all interrelated. And ultimately, you finished with asking about rest, recovery, and recharging, which is that when we're performing, we're performing at the highest possible level. But then when we're not performing, we're also practicing that essentialism and getting rid of anything that doesn't serve us and not wasting our energy. So we perform at the highest level, then we recover deeply and completely and that enables sustainable high performance and actually better health at the same time and a very different way of living, which is contrasted to what so many people are doing right now, which is just you know pushing so hard for so long with no breaks and ending up in a state of total burnout. So it's definitely something for us to take away. Love your question. Oh, I loved everything you said. There's so many things to, to build upon there. I love run fast, not hard. That's just perfectly said and captures the argument for effortless. Right there, that's the point. You've been taught, we've been taught in so many ways to run hard if you want to achieve things quickly. And it's the opposite 
argument. You've got to learn how to run fast if you want to go fast. It's a different, it's a different orientation, a different approach. Let me ask you this, because this has been a question in various ways I've been asked a few times as I've begun the media tour for the new book. And it generally has come from people who have had a lot of sports experience in college. Um, and, and they'll say, well, they don't necessarily use the term, but the no pain, no gain argument. Well, you know, sometimes you just have to work so hard in order to get the results and that's what you need. And there's something there that seems right about what they're saying, but something is off too. What what are your thoughts and reactions to that? What have you learned as you've been working with people at the absolute top of their performance? Uh, I just listened to that term, no pain, no gain. I just cringe. Um, I think that there is no way around the fact that you've got to do the work. You need to put in the repetitions. You need to put in the hours of deliberate training to learn how to play an instrument or deliver a line if you're acting or deconstruct a business to figure out where the improvements lie or even answer questions on a math exam. Like You have to do the repetitions. There's no way around that. But the idea around no pain, no gain isn't that uh, it, it's an it's an antiquated concept. I think the idea that we have to put in the work still exists. You do need to do the practice. The better your practice is, the faster you achieve what it is that you're trying to do. So you want coaching, you want mentoring, you want to learn as much as you possibly can so that your practice is effective. But at the same time, we're not working harder. We need to work smarter. And that's very, very different. So in a sports analogy, back in the 80s and 90s, the approach to training in many different sports was high volume. How many meters can you run or swim? How many weights can you lift? And that was pretty much the extent of the training program was just volume. You're just going to do a lot of hours. There was no discussion of mindfulness training. There was no discussion of massage therapy unless you were actually at the competition itself. Sports nutrition was like, yeah, let's do some carb loading. Uh, don't forget to drink some water some t- you know, from time to time. Like There was zero support for that training. Whereas now, through an evolution that happened sort of starting in the early 90s all the way through to today, the approach is completely different. Instead of a high volume approach, it's a high quality approach. The workouts are done in such a way that you're warming up, you're getting the body completely ready, you're executing race quality performances in practice, then you're completely you know, warming down and recovering and clearing lactate, after which you might do some yoga and you might do some, um, some massage therapy, you might do some cold therapy to decrease inflammation. Once a week, you might do a sauna. On the weekends, you're going to go for a walk in nature. You're going to be doing some mindfulness training. It's a, it's all based around recovery and regeneration. So you can get to the next high quality workout as fast as possible. So instead of training all the time at 70 to 80%, now things are done in such a way that you're training at 90 to 110% interspersed with 30 to 50% bouts of, rec- of easy, easy, easy work on technique and other things like that. And that's actually an approach that I think works for us in all aspects of our lives. Yeah, no pain, no gain. I mean, there's an element of truth there. You got to get the work done, but we want to be working smarter, not harder, interspersing bouts of world-class performance where you're able to reach your potential, whatever that happens to be at any given moment, interspersed with rest, refocus, and recharging, which enables you to ultimately continue to do that 
consistently for a long period of time without getting injured, without getting burned out, and continuing on a very cool growth and development curve. What are some of the other practical ways that people can achieve a better rhythm between doing the work, but also getting this rest and recuperation? Because for a lot of people, especially if they're high performers and they've really been sold a bill of goods in believing that 24-7 hustle is the way to get ahead, are actually novices at this. They don't know how to relax. They don't know how to do that without just feeling guilty and feeling like they'll fall behind and so on. What practical things can people do in the midst of the pandemic still to be able to, to get this dynamic equilibrium between work and relaxation right? This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. In my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments, and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify, because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That's a really insightful question, and it does require a mind shift along the lines of everything that we've been speaking about so far. And the mindset shift is that recovery and regeneration in and of itself is a skill, just like work is a skill. You gain knowledge, you gain skills, you get better at your job or whatever it is that you're pursuing professionally or academically. Similarly, the ability to rest, refocus, recharge, recover, and regenerate is also an incredibly important skill that needs to get cultivated and developed. So you can do a number of different things. I love the one, two, three rule. I love the idea of doing one hour a day, some sort of deliberate recovery, walk, run, jog, swim, bike, paddle, take a bath, do some meditation, do some yoga, 
So one hour a day is a very powerful tactic just in terms of making sure you have time to recharge one hour out of the 24. And then two days a month, so that's one weekend a month, take it off. Don't check your phone. Don't check your email. Get away from tech. Get into nature. Go for a walk. Spend some time with your friends. Do a hobby. So one weekend a month, completely off. And then three weeks a year, I'd love for everyone to take their actual vacation time and really take a vacation, like make yourself unreachable. Drop your phone in the ocean if necessary and uh, really give yourself a break to disconnect. And I know a lot of people are thinking, well, I can't do that. I've got too much responsibility. In fact, I would submit that the more responsibility that you have, the more important it is that you completely unplug because when you do so, you empower the people around you to cover for you, to learn, to get better, to add those skills so that when you come back, everyone's skills are up-leveled. And then you can cover for someone else at some point when they go off too. So the one, two, three rule is a very, very powerful one. And then what do you do in those times? There's some incredible research showing that gratitude journaling is so effective. It takes five minutes or less a day, three bullet points about things that you're grateful for. Super fantastic. We know that exercise is so powerful for us in terms of developing your fitness can also do things like mindfulness and meditation, just taking some time to stare at the trees or listen to some music or look at some art or practice mindfulness meditation using an app like Headspace Calm or 10% Happier. So there's so many different things that we can do. I would just request that people find something that you like, explore, test, try, experiment. And when you find things that you enjoy, photography is one that I've discovered over the last couple of years I absolutely love gets me into nature, gets me hanging out with my kids and not checking my phone. So whatever it is for you, just build it into your life and you'll feel easier and easier and easier about it and better and better and better about your overall health and well-being. What other rituals do you use yourself that have proved helpful? And by ritual, I don't just mean habits, but you know, I think of a ritual as a habit with a soul you know something that that the very way of doing it is somehow rejuvenating for people that have got into the marie condoing it's not just tidy your stuff yes that's nice it's not just organize your stuff it's not just the output it's the way you're doing it itself is satisfying i think that's one of the reasons she hits such a nerve is because it's saying this thing that used to be drudgery when you're going to fold your clothes and put them away, suddenly becomes its own ritual, somehow uh, rejuvenating in and of itself. And so I just wonder what rituals have you developed or have you heard of other people developing for being able to more effectively rest and recuperate? Yeah, my wife, Marie Kondo, our entire house over the last 14 <laughs> months. So I am extremely familiar with all of that. Hold this shirt and does it bring you peace and love and if not it's going outside it's like what <laughs> you can't throw away my favorite <laughs> shirt it's like no, no that one can stay anyway two ideas for you on this which i think are just ideas that i've been putting into practice the first one is i've been trying not to think of exercise as a workout and this comes from someone that i was a swimmer growing up and you know i went to workout that's what we did for you know, all the way through college we went to workout and workouts were hard and you trained hard i have completely pivoted that into practice. 
So I try to think of it now as a movement practice, not as a workout. So you can think of yoga as being like, okay, I'm just going to follow these moves. Or you can think of yoga as, you know what, I'm just going to flow through and try to do these moves and relax at the same time or breathe through this stretch. Or when I'm out for a run, I'm not thinking about anything deliberately. I'm just allowing myself to run with no resistance. And when my mind does get locked onto the pain, the discomfort, the muscle burn, I just do my very best to breathe through it and let it go and release that. And that's transforming exercise for me from being a workout to being a movement practice which is ironically enough, even though I'm trying to go easier, actually made it a lot easier for me to go and do much tougher workouts, much longer workouts, and be much happier doing it. When I finish, I just feel good. I feel like I've been training my mind and my body. There's a lot of outdated thinking that says, well, look, work hard, play hard. And this complete separation of, of enjoyment from you know the work itself and in the kind of work i'm doing where i'm advocating people do essential work and they really think carefully about that it's been surprising to me how often there's an underlying assumption that says well the more essential the work is the harder it has to be in fact if it's not hard it can't be valuable it's like a distrust of easy and one of the things I think we need to learn to do that you illustrate in both of your examples is to make the essential work more enjoyable. So that instead of you saying, okay, I'm going to work hard so that I feel good afterwards. I'm going to go on the run. I won't enjoy the run, but I'm going to enjoy the feeling afterwards. Is it well, that's fine if that gets you to do it and and you want that, that's one way of approaching it. But why not just not do the running? Do something else instead that you do enjoy that's healthy. Well, you want to swim or you like to swim. And what if you do it with someone you like to spend time with so that you're accountable and it's enjoyable and the thing itself becomes a more joyful ritual? Yeah. And let's take this a step further choose the things that you love and that serve you and make you happy. And guess what? It's easy and you'll do more of them. Which actually leads me to my next thought, which is, well, why not just do the stuff that's easy? Why do the stuff that's hard? If you think about it, what's easy for us is probably something that we're talented at, something that we have a propensity for, something that we enjoy doing. And when you are talented at something, when you enjoy doing it, you're probably going to do it at a really high level, especially if you do it quite often. And it's always easy. So for me, public speaking is easy. It's so easy. I absolutely love it. And I'm getting better and better and better at it, which lo and behold means that eventually someone's going to pay me for it, which means I can make it my job. And so that's something to consider as well is is lean into what's easy for you, because that may be where your hidden talents lie. That where that may be where the opportunities lie. And concurrently, where you feel resistance, where you feel like it's hard, lean, explore that, journal about it, do the notes. Why is it hard? What is it about that that is difficult? 
and they, that may lead you to some very powerful insights about where the resistance is coming from. And the resistance may be self-created, probably is in many cases, in which case you, re, you can often realize that I'm making this hard myself. It doesn't need to be. And you could choose to carry on down that road or you could choose to do things differently. So it's a very interesting journey that we go on when we start to explore these ideas that you're talking about. Well, you just named really the sort of the, the why for writing effortless at all was that life is hard. I mean, it's not that's not an afterthought for me. That's the driver. Life is hard in a hundred ways for different people. It can be full of suffering. It's almost a universal thing. People are challenged with all sorts of things. The complication is that on top of that, we have many ways we make life even harder than it needs to be. So we we add on to the the actual challenge and test of life all these additional complexities, uh, this perfectionism that we can have, these outdated assumptions we can hold on to. And the impact of that is that, and I've seen it throughout the pandemic, uh, is that people burn out and still don't get the results that they want. Uh, they're, they're having it's twice as much work to get half the results. And my position is that we can make a different choice, that we can learn a new mindset and then with it a new tool set, specific things that we can do differently so that we can make it a little easier today and a little easier tomorrow to do what is essential. Yeah, that's the context for what we're doing. And what you just said that made me think of all of that is just that phrase. There are ways in which we make things harder than they need to be. And imagine as we cultivate this new future, as we reimagine our future, if we deliberately try to make our lives easier and better. You know, I listen to Tim Ferriss a fair bit. And one of the things that he has said, which I really love is, you know, what would this look like if it was easy? And that's made me rethink processes. It's made us restructure our business. And the outcome is quite interesting. Sometimes you cannot make changes. It is, it is what it is. And that's fine. But you've done the thinking to be, well, is it necessary that I do it this way? Or is there a way to do things differently? So for example, a simple thing is uh, what we did a couple of years ago is we were like, we want to exercise more. Well, it's hard to get to the gym. What would that look like if it was easy? Gym should be in the house. So we cut the cable and we converted a TV room into a little fitness studio. We got a secondhand treadmill and we put a yoga mat on the floor and we got a whole bunch of kettlebells. And lo and behold, we have a fitness training studio inside of our homes so that when it's raining and cold and you don't want to go to the gym, you have this thing in your house. That's what it's now easier entire life. What would this look like if it was easy is a great question to ask yourself. Well, that's exactly it. I was just on with Tim just recently, and we were talking all about this on, on lots of levels. But if you just take that question, how can this be made effortless? I, I was asked recently, well, how effortless is your life, Greg? And, and I'm like, oh, there's so many things that are so much harder than I think they need to be still. And that's why I like this subject, is because I want to pick up one by one each thing that feels overwhelming. Well, how could it be effortless? And sometimes, I think you're right, sometimes, at least yet, I haven't got the answers to them. But, but surprisingly regularly, 
I will ask that question and ideas will just start flooding to my mind of how it might be done more easily, more effortlessly. And and if you are, don't ask that question, you don't get those answers. So the question alone that you're asking from, from Tim is powerful. And to ask it every day on the things that really matter produces new insights to things that uh, that, that aren't otherwise obvious that don't come to you. You said you've done it in your business as well. How have you applied this basic question to your business? Well, one of the things that we did was we automated investing as an example. So, you know, a percentage of your earnings can be automatically invested every month. You never see it. It just disappears from your account. So it's automated. Yeah. You do it one time. The effort is put in one time, but it produces results for you again and again and again. A little more effort up front, but then it isn't an exaggeration to say it is literally effortless after that. Yeah, I don't even notice it, to be honest. Like I just live within a certain different number and it's like at the end of the year, you get this report. I, I literally don't think about it because I shouldn't. It's, I'm not a professional investor. I shouldn't touch it because I'm not good at it. So I just outsource that completely. Let's just stay on it for just a second because I think this is the point. Earlier on, we talked about um, the cutting the cable bill and and sort of the fortunate accident for me of discovering that I had cut it at some point, didn't know I didn't even have it. It's often these automated billing cycles uh, are set up in the favor of another company where we we don't even, we're not checking closely enough on our bill or closely enough on our bank statement to notice that it's still going. So effortlessly money is going away from us. <laughs> this is just taking advantage of the same idea. So if people are looking for an easy way to get started on a more effortless life, automation is, a, I think, a, a really good place to look. Yeah, let's just dig into that a little bit further. So there's two sides of that equation, both of which we did this year. The first one was to go through every single subscription that we had both Judith and I, and delete every single one of them that wasn't absolutely essential. So, you know, I love Fast Company Magazine. It's 20 bucks a month. So when you delete that line item, it's only 20 bucks. It's not, you know, a huge number. Over the course of the year, though, that's $240. You match that up with the cable bill, which we also cut, and the second car bill. And guess what? That's a lot of money that instead of going out, is going into investing. And that over the course of six months, a year, two years, 10 years, 20 years until I retire, because I actually like, you know, I, I enjoy what I do. So I'm not going to retire anytime soon. That's a complete game changer. The other major thing I did, which has been hugely helpful with regards to my time, um, is using an app called Calendly to automate all of the booking for my time. And you and I set this podcast up. And you know, we basically sent one email, Greg, do you want to be on the show? Absolutely. Here's a link to book it. And it gives you access to seeing the gaps in my calendar. You chose a time, it dropped the booking into both of our calendars. And here we are today. But that used to be like, when are you available? You go in and look at your calendar. I'm available at these times. I'd send those to you. You check yours and get back to me. It was a long process. And so we actually implemented that for all people in my organization, just to make sure that when we are booking or allowing ourselves to be booked, it's during times when you want to be available, not during creative times when you don't want to be distracted, and minimizing the admin and leveraging 
uh, technology and artificial intelligence to make that happen even faster with none of your times. That's been another big one that we've put into place. I love all these these practical suggestions. I especially liked the combination of if you can have a one-time uh, elimination of a non-essential but recurring expense, you are combining essentialism and effortless, right? Because you're one-time change, many, many advantages because you're not paying every single month, month, month after month. But then also, I love that it's like this high leverage thing because you then trade it off into, well, that same money can go into investments, same thing, one-time decision, one-time setup, and the results flow in your favor from that point on. I mean, that's to me, it's a, I get that somebody listen could say, well, that's such a small thing, but it's actually a great illustration of uh, of the the of the power of being able to make these one-time trade-offs, set them up right, forget about them, then life starts to work in your favor. It isn't an exaggeration to say it's effortless once the system's set up. That's the whole point of automation. There's an upside to it and a downside. If you if you automate the wrong things, non-essential stuff gets automated, and that goes on forever in your life. If you can automate the right things, it also flows onwards and forwards. Give me the last word here. What what have we missed? What do you want to share a teach on the subject either uh, of, of really of essentialism, of effortless, of your own research that we haven't covered? I just love this conversation. We've had so much fun and it's gone in so many super cool, you know, interesting places. It's been so fascinating to explore. I don't think that we've missed anything, but I'd love to do, you know, and we should do this again and explore it a little bit more because there's so much to unpack here. But I think that the final thing that I would throw is just to highlight a word that we mentioned earlier on in the show that I made a note about, and it's responsibility. And I think that many people hear responsibility and they think, oh, that's something I'm supposed to do. When in fact, if you look at the origins of the word, it's a combination of response, dash, ability, right? It's your ability to respond. And I would love for people to have more response dash ability in their lives rather than just simply reacting to everything that's coming at us so quickly these days. So if we give ourselves permission to do the thinking and the journaling and the upfront work to be more effortless, to have more essentialism in our lives, which upfront takes some thinking and work, but then liberates you thereafter. That I think is really a good example of execution of response ability in our lives, which I would think is so key for everyone's health and happiness and enables us to take control of our lives, which is what I want for, for everybody. So that would be the only other thing that I would highlight as something to think about moving forwards. And it's a, it's a pretty good place to stop this particular chat because we've covered so many incredible areas that were so fascinating to talk about. Dr. Greg Wells, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the What's Essential podcast. We look forward to continuing this conversation now that we're in each other's worlds. Thank you for being on the show. Greg, thanks so much for having me on the show. It's an honor and a privilege. Really happy to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, essentialists, one and all, we've come to that moment again, the end of the show. Thank you really sincerely for listening. 
It's been amazing to see what's happened already with this show. The show has become, in fact, the top 3% of podcasts globally within just the first five months of its launch. And that's because of you. You have made this special. And I want to end, as I always do, reminding you that if you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast, or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.